One Saturday morning, a pastor went to buy an old push mower at a yard sale. The young man selling the mower gave him a disclaimer. He said, Preacher, uh, you got a cuss to start this lawnmower. He said, Son, bless the Lord. God saved me. I've been serving the Lord 60 years. God delivered me from cussing a long time ago. I don't even think I can remember how to cuss. He said, Preacher, pull that handle back 10 times. It'll come back to you. <laughs> how many of y'all testify God delivered you from cussing? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> All right, here's another question. How many of y'all like yard work? Okay, a few of you. Bless your hearts. Okay. I hate that stuff, but my wife loves it. When I was 11 years old, my parents bought some land outside of town, and we moved from the church parsonage out to the country property. And it was a big property. It was a lot of acres, and I felt like we were living in the Wild West somewhere, the fruited plain. Okay. It was exciting. And I loved it until they introduced me to the modern machines we call the riding lawnmower. And as we all know, the reason people have children is for free labor. <laughs> we all know it. So my job was every Saturday to, to mow all these acres of land. And one Saturday morning, I was getting geared up. You know, you got to make the most of the situation. So I got my drink, right? When you cut the grass, right? When you mow the lawn, you have a drink. But when you cut the grass, you got to have a drink. So I had my drink, and I had my Walkman and my headphones. And I had my Dominion Camp Meeting cassette tapes so I could get my praise and my preaching and my worship on. Amen. I had to make the most of it. My mowing time was my worship time. <laughs> so I, I was ready, or so I thought I was. And I started driving that lawnmower. And boy, I was just praising God, having a good old time. All of a sudden, I ran out of gas on the back end of the property. <laughs> I thought I was prepared. Everything seemed great, but the whole time I was running on empty. And that is the exact condition of far too many people today. To the outward appearance, everything is fine. You're busy. A lot's going on. Things are happening in your life. But spiritually, you are running on empty. And if you don't do something about it, you're heading for a breakdown. Come on, tell somebody, it's time to do something. We are a culture that's always on the go. You're going from here to there. You're always on the go for home, for work, for the community organizations you're involved in, for school, for all these other things. You're always going, but while you're going, you also have to learn how to stay. You have to learn, in the midst of all the busyness, how to stay in the presence of God. In church, we talk a lot about giving. Amen. We talk a lot about giving in the body of Christ. And you ought to give, but while you're giving, you've got to also learn what to keep. You've got to learn how to keep the fire of God burning in your life. And here in these passages, I see four things that David does in the midst of trouble to stay in God's presence. To stay in the presence of God. Okay, we know the story. David came down from the battle, from victory, and they were singing. Saul has his thousands, but David has his ten thousands. The Bible says that Saul was very, very angry. 
So Saul eyed David from that day forward, and it happened on the next day that a distressing spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied inside the house. Well, we could talk about that for a while, couldn't we? So David played music with his hand as at other times, but there was a spear in Saul's hand. Saul cast a spear, for he said, I will pin David to the wall, but David escaped his presence twice. David is my favorite underdog in the Bible. David just can't stop winning against all odds. You think about this great giant Goliath and all of the armor and the sword and the spear and little scrawny David, the shepherd boy, comes at him with a slingshot and he wins. Then he's in the court and King Saul comes at him. And King Saul is head and shoulders taller than all the other men in Israel. He's being a strong warrior and he throws his spear at David. David still wins. You see, Saul's strength was his weapon, but David's strength was his worship. To stay in God's presence, number one, keep your worship hot. Somebody say, keep it hot. Let me ask you, how is your worship? Is it hot, hot, hot? Or is it cold? Do you give your all in the worship of your Redeemer? You give a little put put off that. Are you fully engaged when you worship the Lord, or do you save it for the football game? Do you praise the one who redeemed your soul from destruction, or do you wait till the price is right or something? I watch that show. I'm like, what in the world are they shouting out about? They didn't even want nothing. I want everything. Hallelujah. How is your worship? If you want to stay in God's presence, if you want the Lord to sustain you in His presence through difficult times, keep your worship hot. I like what William Booth said. He said, I'm not waiting for a move of God. I am a move of God. When I move, God moves in my life. Hallelujah. How is your worship? How often do you worship? Sunday ought to be a no-brainer. What about Monday morning? When that old boss comes around, are you still blessing the Lord at all times? What about Friday night? Bible says that David played that instrument day by day. So how is your worship? Because I'll tell you this, the enemy has his eye on you. The Bible says that Saul had his eye on David constantly. He has his eye on you, and there are all kinds of spears he wants to throw at you. Many of you are experiencing spears right now. He's throwing spears of doubt and spears of discouragement and spears of financial pressure and sickness and family issues. Listen, the devil is throwing spears, and the only way to get keep the keep from getting pinned up is to stay praised up. The Bible says that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. So if you need God in your situation, build God a throne of praise right where you are. He is enthroned on the praises of his people in the middle of your mess. If you need God's presence where you are, build him a throne of praise. Hallelujah. 
Maybe the devil throws the spear of the guilt of the past that he tries to throw at all of us. The Bible says he's the accuser of the brethren, accusing us before God day and night. He loves to bring up the past. When the devil brings up your past, you build a throne of praise right there. You start praising God because he's still the God of Moses who opened up the Red Sea to make a way to bring his people out. Hello. You start praising him, God, I praise you that, yes, I used to be enslaved in Egypt. I used to be a slave to sin, bound by the devil. But through your Lord, through your son, Jesus, you made a way. You parted the waters. You did what I could do. And not only did I walk into freedom, but, Lord, you closed the ocean on top of me. Come on, somebody ought to sing the song of Miriam, the horse and the rider. He is thrown into the sea. Oh, my Jesus took cocaine and he threw it in the sea. He took alcohol. He threw it in the sea. He took homosexuality. He threw it in the sea. Hello. You build a throne of praise. You sing the song of Miriam and you name all the guilt, all the bondage, all the sin of your past. Everything God delivered you from, you say God has thrown that into the sea that used to be me. That's not me anymore. Hallelujah. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You built God a throne of praise right where you are. Hallelujah. You need God to come into your situation and you're sick and in pain. You build God a throne of praise right in that pain. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement for my peace was upon him. And God, I praise you that by your stripes I am healed. You start claiming the promises of God and praising God like it's already done. If you'll stay praised up, you won't get pinned up. One of the most important things I've learned as a child of God is I've got to keep my worship hot. <laughs> Hallelujah. Worship gets cold. Move around a little bit. Watch what happens. The Lord is enthroned on the praises of His people. Take time to get along with God. I don't know about, about you. <laughs> it seemed like when I was working in the banking industry, the more I got promoted, <laughs> The devil was just picking the worst bosses he could find in the whole organization. In fact, he was bringing them in from other banks just to torment me. One day they asked me, why do you take so many bathroom breaks? Because <laughs> I go in the bathroom and call on the name of Jesus saying, Lord, you are an ever-present help in time of trouble. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. And every time that rises in judgment against me, I shall condemn. <laughs> Excuse me. How can I help you today? And if you can't get alone, praise God quietly where you are, or loudly, I don't care. Make the devil and everybody else nervous. I'll never forget, I was walking in Dollar Tree in Kansas City. <laughs> the lady just said, Hallelujah! I said, Praise the Lord, sister! <laughs> Dollar Tree praise. We made a throne right there. Well, bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. You are a chosen generation of peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of God. 
People think you're weird because you praise God. If they don't think you're weird anyway, you might as well praise Him all the more. Keep your worship hot. If you drive in a car by yourself, make that a personal sanctuary. I started with a lawnmower, but I graduated. <laughs> I got an upgrade. Hallelujah. I see people dancing to club music all the time on Highway 7. I say, you know what? Forget that. I'm going to dance to the Holy Ghost. To stay in God's presence, number one, keep your worship hot. Number two, stay connected to covenant relationships. Stay connected to covenant relationships. Tell somebody, stay connected. 1 Samuel 19.11 says that Saul sent messengers to David's house to watch him and kill him in the morning. And Michael, David's wife, told him, saying, if you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. So Michael let David down through a window, and he went and fled and escaped. I want you to think about this. If David had neglected his covenant relationship, he would have woke up dead. Now this hits us on two levels. First of all, how many married folks are in the house today? Okay, this one's for you. Okay, you got to stay connected in your marriage. Never have I ever seen the family attack so brutally as it is today. Because the devil knows if he can destroy the marriage, he can destroy the family. And if he can destroy the family, he can destroy the nation. God meant for marriage to be a source of strength and refreshing, not pain and suffering. So what do you do? You pray for your marriage, you invest in your marriage, and you work on yourself. Because you can't fix your spouse, so quit trying. Like Bob Newhart used to say, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop trying to fix them. You can't fix them. Stop trying to fix them and work on you. You work on you being the absolute best husband or the absolute best wife on planet Earth and watch what God does in your marriage. Hello. Amen. God has called us to love our spouses like Christ loved the church. And you know what Jesus did? He put himself last. If you don't know where to start, here's the easy place to start. Go back to point number one. Keep it hot. <laughs> the best marriage conference there is out of all the marriage conferences is the NIB conference. The Naked Advent conference. I'll talk more about that in February. So David's in his free. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you don't have to travel anywhere. So David stayed close to his bride. That was the side note. Now here's the main note, okay? The Bible calls the church what? The bride of Christ. You've got to stay connected to the bride of Christ, to the local church. If you want to stay in God's presence and you want to keep the fire of God burning in your life, you have to keep yourself connected to church. This is a spiritual filling station. Hebrews 10.25 says this, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. That means that it's more important to be in church today than it was last Sunday. 
And next Sunday, it's going to be more important to be in church than it is today. Because the closer we get to the second coming of Jesus, the more important it is that we assemble together and encourage one another in our faith. Amen? The closer we get, the more it matters. Jesus left the 99 to get the one because there's safety in the flock. Now, I'll be the first to say, church is not perfect. Sheep can do stupid things. Can I get an amen? <laughs> or oh me. Listen, sheep bites are painful, but they're rarely fatal. I've never heard of a sheep mauling. <laughs> the church is not a perfect place, but it is the place that God has established for us to go through life together and encourage one another and build each other up and worship Him together. Jesus told the parable of the wheat and the tares. I, I just can't stand that parable. You know why? Because He said the hypocrites and the ones who are right with God are going to be together until He comes back, and they won't be separated until the judgment day. Don't let the weeds keep you from coming to Jesus. I'd rather go to church with hypocrites than go to hell with them. Come on. Hey, I said something there. you got to stay connected to the body of Christ. When the pressures of life come down on you, you ought to dig deeper in the local church. Don't give the enemy what he wants. When Saul threw those spears, he wanted David to stop worshiping. When you're facing pressure, make the devil mad. When he starts turning up the heat, worship more than you did when things were going well. When he's trying to lure you away from church, get more involved. Sign up for the nursery. Hallelujah. That'll make him real mad. Listen, we walk by faith and not by sight. Do we always feel like going to church? No. I don't always feel like driving to the gas station, but I found out that I will be stranded if I don't go. Keep your worship hot. Stay connected to the house of God. The third key is this. You've got to keep hope alive in your life. 1 Samuel 19, 18. David fled and escaped and went to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. Listen, the vision of David's life, his anointing, and his calling was received through Samuel. When Samuel anointed David, he prophesied over David that he would rule as king over Israel in the place of King Saul. And when David was fleeing from Saul and he was running for his life, where did he go? To the prophet Samuel. David was frustrated, he was discouraged, and he looks to Samuel, who is the voice of hope in David's life. David is rekindling the hope of his calling. Child of God, hope is fuel. Hope is confidence in what God said. Hope is a picture of a better to better tomorrow. Listen, if anybody ought to have hope, it should be the people of God. Child of God, if you're discouraged this morning, don't give hope because you have hope in Jesus. Jesus is the author and the finisher of your faith. He will finish the work He began in your life. In due season, you will reap if you faint not. You find yourself in a bad situation, you keep going, you keep pressing ahead because if it's not good, God is not done with you. Hallelujah. Romans 15, 13 says, The God of hope 
fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. When you're running on empty, keep your worship hot. Stay connected to the house of God. Keep hope alive. And number four, stay on the altar. In order for David to find Samuel, he had to go to Ramah. Where's Ramah? Ramah is where they built the altar of God. David was running from Saul, but he wasn't running from church. He wasn't running from God's people. He was running to where the altar was. If you need hope today, you'll find it at the altar. What is the altar? The altar is any place that you make wherever you can come down front here. You can make it wherever you are. It is a place that you commit yourself to surrender to the Lord, to renew your trust and your faith in God. Sometimes we just have to get back to the altar of God and say, Lord, I'm discouraged, I'm beat up. The enemy is throwing spears at me and setting ambushes all around me. Lord, I want to get back to the hope of my calling, to the fire of my first love. What God has spoken over your life cannot be made null and void by anything the devil does. No matter where you are in life right now, if you'll come to God and say, God, I want to go all out for you. I want to live my life completely for you. If you'll come to the altar, you will find God. Rekindle the hope of your calling. Resurrender your life to the Lord. And all of a sudden, when you put your life on the altar, you'll see that energy will come back and that old drive and that fire and that passion will begin to grow in your life again. You know, it's interesting that if you read further down in this passage, David and Samuel went to a place called Naoth. And this is where the school of the prophets was. And Saul heard about it, so he sent messengers to capture David. I know you know, sometimes the devil don't start messing with you until so you start going to church. Because <laughs> they had you before. It makes you, you, you make it mad when you start going to the house of God. But you know what? I, I love to call the devil. Sometimes I wake up and say, Devil, any packages you send my way today, I refuse to sign for them. And anything you've done to me, I want to remind you, you have to repay me seven times. The enemy came after David and Samuel. Saul sent messengers to capture him, but every time he sent messengers to seize David, they would fall out under the power of God and start to prophesy. Ooh, I'd like to see that happen. All the haters and all the critics I got in my life, boy, I'd like to see him show up, fall out in the Holy Ghost and start prophesying. Do it, Jesus! Let's go, Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. A sickle. Come on, y'all. Come on. <laughs> Come at me, bro. Watch what God's about to do in your life. One by one, they fall to the power of God and prophesy. And the big man himself showed up. Saul got so mad that they couldn't capture one guy that he personally came to Naoth to get David himself. And the Bible says that... Saul fell in the power of God and he himself began to prophesy. What happened when Saul went to Naoth is significant. Saul, the enemy, was coming to destroy David. The Bible says that Saul was stripped of his clothes laying there on the ground. In the end, 
everything was stripped away from Saul, and the only thing that remained was the Word of God. The enemy <laughs> stripped his naked head and clothes. God wants to make a public spectacle of the devil when he comes against you. He wants to demonstrate his power and his majesty and his strength and his dominion in your life. So, child of God, there's hope at the altar. There's safety at the altar. The enemy cannot stand in the presence of God at the altar. The power of hell is stripped away at the altar. The Bible says that no weapon formed against you will prosper. It didn't say the weapons wouldn't be formed. It said it wouldn't prosper. It said it wouldn't work. The promises of God will overtake the enemy and leave him powerless. But you've got to get to the altar. Will you stand this morning as we pray? This morning before we pray, you know, some people don't even have an altar. Some people, your altar's dusty. You haven't seen it in a while. And you need to revisit it. And this morning, I want to take a few moments to worship. But I want to open up the altar for anybody that needs to come to the altar. And you've got things you need to put at the altar. You need to let go of. You need some healing. You need some restoration. You need some power. You need some joy. Because last year, the enemy tried to take your joy he tried to beat you down to the point to where you couldn't put one foot in front of the other. And this morning, your altar needs to be rebuilt. Or you just need to come and just be honest. Take that pride and just set it to the side. Saul died because of pride. And there's no place for pride in the kingdom of God. You've suffered with depression for too long. You've suffered with no boundaries. You've suffered from relationships. You've suffered, you've been in a lukewarm relationship, half in, half out with God for too long. And this morning, I don't know who I'm talking to, but God said, you need to get out the altar and commit, commit your life to me. Stop playing church. Stop being in on Sundays and living like hell the rest of the week. Because when I come back, a lot of people in church don't realize this, but they're not even going to make it to heaven. Just because you attend on Sunday morning doesn't mean that you're saved. It's the rest of the week how you're living, what you're saying, how you're walking. And God said, I'm coming back for a church that has no spot, that doesn't play, that commits. So this morning, some of you need to recommit. You need to put some stuff at the altar. And as they're singing this song, and I'm going to pray over you, I want you to come to the altar and just worship. It's nobody's business why you're coming down here. It's between you and God. And if they're worried about why you're down here, they need to be down here themselves. So I'm going to open up the altar.
Don't hesitate. Don't take a moment to think. Recommit this morning. Give it to God. Are you hurting and broken? Oh, I'm saying it. 
fresh anointing, Father, that you renew us. God, where we've grown weary, Father, God, that this morning you renew our strength, Father. God, that you give us a fresh new fire for you, Lord. God, I thank you, Father, for a blazing altar, Father, that as we worship in you, Father, that that altar is on fire, that we're on fire for you, Father. God, let our worship be intimate. God, let it be deeper than ever before, Lord. And Lord, I thank you, Father, that as people leave this morning, that they leave lighter, that those burdens, those things that have been weighing them down, God, that they've left it at the altar this morning, and that they've given it to you, Father. And Lord, we thank you, Father. And I bind the works of the enemy in the name of Jesus. I bind the attacks that have been coming on every person in here. I bind the attacks on the mind, on the family, on relationships, on things at work, on finances. God, I thank you right now that we are overcomers, Father, and that you have given us the ability to walk by faith, to walk, not to walk by what we see, Father, but to walk in faith, God, and to trust you. And this morning, I thank you for a renewed trust and for joy. God, fill your saints this morning with joy, where they've become weary and depressed, and they're looking at the wrong things, Father God, this morning, let their joy be their strength in you, Father. And Lord, we praise you. And we worship you. And God, we give you glory and we give you honor and we give you praise and we give you thanksgiving. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.